Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club, where each episode I try to convince you to watch one of the weird, wild, and wonderful horror films set in London. Season 2 is all about terror on the underground. Nothing good happens after midnight. My mother told me that. And it seemed for a long time that the tube network agreed. Up until recently, you might have to run to catch the last trains, which initially stopped just after midnight and gradually extended until maybe 1.30 or so in the morning. But after that, it was officially night, and expecting nothing good to happen, the stations closed their doors. Now there's the night tube, but I think some of us still remember what that was like. Perhaps you remember rushing for the last train home, desperately hoping you weren't stuck on the night bus and trying to get in just before the gates of a station closed. The tube stations always seemed so quiet and empty on some nights, even when you expected everyone to be rushing to get the last train. It was like they were closed already while I was down on the platform. It was enough to make you think you'd been forgotten until the train pulled in. In 2004, a horror film was created set entirely in the confines of the London underground, but this time after dark. The film's Christopher Smith's Creep, and it imagines the terror of being trapped inside the closed station for just one night. Tasked with surviving an evening on the underground is Katie, an upper-middle-class party girl who, on her way to seduce a movie star, falls asleep at Charing Cross Station and finds herself locked in. She isn't alone, and in some cases, there are helpful people like a homeless couple who hide in the shelter of the underground at night. But in at least two cases, she faces attackers, including the menacing Craig, a man raised in the isolation of the underground who hunts the others like prey. In the film, the underground becomes like an old dark house where Katie discovers different rooms hidden off the platforms while fighting for her life. Each room holds sinister secrets, and the monster at the heart of the house is Craig, who, not unlike the ghost of a haunted house, has transparently white skin and a heart of pure evil. He reminds one more of a demon or a gargoyle, making tiny strands of humanity in him almost uncanny and unsettling. He is truly a human monster. And though Craig is definitely the main villain of this film, it is an underground horror because the London Underground adds a great deal to the feeling of horror rather than simply being chased by this monster. The feel of this film is very much centered on the enclosed and dangerous space of the London Underground. For example, we see people chase through, to borrow a phrase from the script, a rabbit warren of tunnels. A main character turns left, right, left again, up, down, center. You follow them as though you're following them through a labyrinth, and every end is a dead end. The darkness between the stations and shadowy corners hold mental and physical terrors, and we see someone even pulled between the gap and the train of the platform. That moment is a particularly strong one, as you hear every day if you travel on it, mind the doors, mind the gap. These are the two spaces that can and do become dangerous in the film, and you see why it is genuinely threatening. There's a really sort of shocking series of of 
aspects to being inside the actual tube at the start of the film. And then it spreads out into these hidden corners and shadowy spaces of the underground, making the entire system a, a sort of trap or even if you want to go so far, a maze that's leading you essentially to your own death. And that's what Katie is faced with. And so the space adds layer upon layer of threat and horror. And even going beyond what's the reality of the tube station, things like trains and dark corners and, and tunnels that attach to sort of, for example, water systems that could be dangerous, there are other imagined hidden horrors that lie just beyond the station platforms. The physical reality of the underground is horrific because it can trap you, because of what might be just beyond the station that you, even in the brightest sign of day, would never be able to see because the tunnels are black. This, this sort of sense of light and space and what's dark and light plays throughout the film on your tensions and your energies, but it also plays on the characters themselves. You've seen the main character, Katie, go from this very, for example, bright, vibrant yellow dress that by the end of the film becomes completely muddied and desolate by the time she's facing off with our villain. And so the space of the underground starts to almost take over her and her body and her clothes as she gets covered in the, the muck, the soot, the silt of the underground. Now, we also see some spaces you would never think of connected to the underground. So there's a bit of imagination added to this already frightening underground world, but that has the sense of reality. For example, the waterworks that I mentioned earlier, or storage facilities, all real things that connect through the various back tunnels of the underground. And so in some ways, the film is exploiting the mysteries of all of the underground world. And yet, of course, they're always connected to the underground. You can always get back to a station platform, to a train line. And it, it makes the underground seem even more, I suppose, insidious because it is, it's growing throughout the entire city. It has its tendrils in every sort of back-hidden, you know, pipelines or gas works or whatever you could imagine under the city. It creeps into the London underground. So that pervasive sense of being on the underground makes it seem infinite and dangerous in a whole different way because it's always present and yet it's hidden at the same time. And so it works on lots of different fears and it leaves you with the sense which then gets sort of answered of what else is down there. And of course the film adds some pretty horrific spaces. Hidden experiments, if you want to hide something away, can be hidden off on the London Underground, and one of those experiments has led to Craig, the main villain of the film. So he, even himself, and all the horrors that he represents is a story of the London Underground, much like the film we listened to last month, Deathline. He's really a product of the underground in the way man in Deathline was a product of the underground. And so this film is also very much about the effect of the underground system on us as human beings, for better and for worse. Craig's an extreme example of this. His life entirely on the underground has made him, I mean, visibly not very human. He's extraordinarily pale and his, his face is deformed, although that's not a reflection of the underground so much as the scientific experiments. But you also see it in the characters. I alluded briefly to sort of Katie, the effect of the underground on her body. You see the people, the homeless people who live on the underground, the people who do the sort of night work on the underground. You encounter them and you see them affected by this space. And that, I think, is what takes this otherwise more cliche horror movie deeper 
than what it seems on the surface. Because you not only get to see a monster chasing somebody, but how the space they live in and the space that then these people being chased are temporarily trapped in transforms these people. And even in ways, even though it's a horror movie, we might see in ourselves. Does it make you more callous? Does it make you more terrified? Does it make you push to the extremes? Or does it make you more sort of gentle, soft human understanding? This question of what these tight, confined, dangerous spaces do to us as people is a real question I think anyone can connect to beyond just that, you know, thrill of the chase aspect of the horror film. So I think I've introduced a good sense of why this is a great underground horror film. But then what makes it a great or fun horror movie? So without a question, this is a bloody horror movie. This is for people who are okay with that. And one of the most intense and squeamish scenes occurs when Craig performs a ritualistic surgery on one of the characters, Mandy, using a saw. The scene is a shocking violation. It is, it is both grotesque and bodily horror, sort of scary. It is bloody, and it's also in the ritualized sort of way that Craig slowly goes about it. It's, it's horrifying on a whole other level. It's not just terror. It's not just grotesque. It's, it's like you're watching a slow crane crash. It's that, that weird hypnotic awfulness in that sense of, you know, awe. Really, not just awful like, oh, that sucks. Awe as in, you know, touched by God kind of awe. I know that's an extreme example, but it really is. You're mesmerized by what's happening. I know quite a lot of people find that scene extremely and unnecessarily disturbing. But as in the best horror films, the bloodiness of that scene isn't just for the sake of blood. Craig is given a backstory that shows that he, at best, was used as a medical experiment his entire life before he was abandoned on the underground. And in the last episode of the London Horror Movie Club, we saw another person trapped on the underground. And you had a very sympathetic backstory. You sort of wanted to, to see the good in that villain. But Craig is very much not trying to do that as a character. You are not supposed to be sympathetic towards him. And in fact, he cannot be sympathetic because the film needs him to be the essence of almost inhuman evil in order to push the main character, Katie, into becoming more human. So how do you, as a director, as a writer, make this character, who is an actual person who horrible things have happened to, purely evil without any sense of sympathy? And you need something like the violence of that scene to do it. It is intentionally extreme because it, it effectively wipes away any sympathy, any grain of humanity you might have for Craig. And so in many ways, what makes this a great horror movie is that it is very thoughtful about the way it uses horror. It uses horror to challenge and to change the people in the film. And I think that takes it a step beyond the sort of 90s slasher movie quite a lot of people associate with these kinds of films. Now, also for anyone who's into horror theory and philosophy, that scene is also a stunning example of the monstrous feminine, but with a twist. I, I feel this isn't your thing, fair enough, but I'll just briefly go into it. The, the monstrous feminine was this idea that that very much a, a series of sci-fi in particular, but horror films showed things about womanhood as abject, as gross, as horrific. And so where most horror films finds the reality of the human female body 
abject, like giving birth or menstruating. This film has a twisted character as the result of an unabject womb. His life has not been about, you know, bloody being birthed. Sorry if this isn't your thing, but it, it's about a very sterile environment that then turned him weird. And so in a strange way, it's actually, he's trying desperately to sort of get back into the womb by opening up this other woman's womb. It's an incredibly powerful metaphor for how desperately he sort of needs humanity and doesn't have it within himself. And so it's, a, it's an interesting twist on the monstrous feminine. Instead of it being monstrous, that monstrousness or that abjectness, the things we find maybe gross about femininity, are necessary to our humanity. Now, that brings me very neatly to my favorite moment of the film. And I think it's another example of why this is a great or fun horror film to watch. The most devastating moment in Creep for me is when we get recognizable speech from Craig. At this point in the film, a lot of the film's gone by and you haven't heard him say anything. And so Craig is finally being taken over by Katie and a sewer worker she's run into, George. And George is, is, has knocked sort of Craig out of functioning. He's, he's conscious, but he's pretty badly beaten. And Kate prepares to, sorry, Katie prepares to kill him with this crowbar. She pulls back and Craig looks up at her with what were very sort of human glassy eyes and begs, please don't kill me. I'll do anything you want. She naturally hesitates. Craig seems vulnerable. But then he keeps talking. And as he ends his speech, I won't ruin the lines for you, but he ends his speech by calling for someone named Jimmy. And Jimmy and Mandy are two homeless people who live on the bowels of the underground. And I've mentioned earlier Mandy is someone he's killed. And Katie, at this point, has come across Mandy and knows what... Well, she, first of all, she's met Mandy, but now she's come across Mandy in the scene I previously described where Craig has essentially sort of cut her to pieces. And so she knows what's happened. And in that moment where you almost see a sort of human, gentle, vulnerable side to Craig is actually the most cold, inhuman, genuinely sort of disgusting mockery of Mandy's humanity, of Mandy's last moments and Craig, of course, went on and tortured her, but he's using it against these people, against George and Katie. And that is a very powerful, horrific moment for me because like the rest of this film, you're seeing a moment where someone's humanity is really called into question. And you have this, this great sort of response from Kate. I'm not going to ruin the end of the film for you, but you have a, a sort of great, very human, very unrecognizable response. But then even in yourself, you, you, you recognize that lingering question of, you know, who are we as humans? What does our humanity mean? And I don't know about other people who watch this, but you, you really get creeped out by that moment. It gets under your skin because it does say something about what we believe humans are. We genuinely think at the core, even, you know, of, of really horrible people, we're waiting for that moment for the horrible person to turn out okay. And that's a lovely, beautiful, wonderful thing. And in this instance, it's twisted and sick and dangerous. And so this horror film has taken, in many other ways, in many other aspects of the film, has taken hope and twisted it into something horrific. And isn't that weirdly magical? Isn't that the power, the incredibleness of film when it can take things that you believe in and make you question them? And I think that's, my, that's why it's my favorite moment of film. And I think it's another reason why this horror film is a fun film to watch. 
Now, of course, I usually leave you on my favorite moment, but I wanted to leave you instead with the fact that this is also a film of layers. There's a lot of other aspects of this horror film. It make it a really deep film. And I, I think I've talked a lot about character, but one of the other great parts of the character is watching the, the lead character go through what she goes through. I've mentioned at the start she's a party girl and that she sort of descends and becomes sort of money. That This all follows a trajectory of capitalism. Horror films love to be socialist, love to challenge power and existing structures. And this film, in a lot of different ways, and I've already given a lot of the film away, so I won't give this away, but in many different ways, challenges capitalism, challenges the real sort of dependence on the individual and on money in particular and the power money can give you. And so this film is very much one that, that is working on lots of levels. It's working on areas of fear, but then it's using horror as, as a voice box, as a soapbox, as a whatever you'd like to say for socialism, for the idea that capitalism turns us into less human people. And I will leave you with that interesting idea, hopefully intriguing you to watch this underground film, because I think, like the other two films you've seen, you might be noticing a theme so far that, that watching these films on the underground really gets to the heart of who we are as people. That sort of what lies beneath analogy. Something about being on the underground is touching us as humans. And that is something we will hear about as well in our next horror film. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode's film and that you go out and watch it, rent it, whatever, as soon as you can. I'll be back with you in three weeks' time, just after the holidays. So happy holidays, and please keep to the platform if you're traveling alone. I'm Lauren Jane Barnett, and this is the London Horror Movie Club.